0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the campus news here on CFRC 101.9 FM, Queen's community radio station. My name is Samara and I'm the campus news coordinator. On this show we're going to talk about the most important issues and events on campus from a student's perspective. I hope everybody had a really fun and memorable Halloween and Halloween weekend because Halloween was on a Thursday this year, it was more of a Halloweek but I hope everybody is ready to switch back into midterm mode as we get over the week 10 hurdle. So now that it's the beginning of November, we only have one more month of classes, which is awesome. The only downside is that we have only one more month until exams. But today is part of CFRC's annual funding drive. This drive will go from November 4th all the way throughout November. We're going to be collecting donations through a GoFundMe page. So if you want to support your community radio station, donate today. You could get more info at CFRC.ca. And if you donate $50 or more, there will be a daily raffle between today to November 10th. And there will be lots of really cool prizes, so you should definitely check that out. As part of our fundraising, we are doing a radiothon, meaning every single one of our shows today will be recorded and aired live. So I am doing a live show, which is super exciting and cool, but this is my first live show ever, so bear with me if I make a few mistakes. So now let's get into the Queen's news. A lot has been happening with student government. The fall referendum uh, recently ended. I hope you guys all made sure to vote. Uh, Queens took to the electronic polls, and um, there were quite a few elections, actually. It was the AMS fall referendum and the ASIS fall by-election. Almost all fees were passed, and five new Assis reps were elected. Four new fees were established, and eight fees were voted, approved for continuation. So as some of you guys might not know, all club fees need to be reviewed and voted on every three years to stay in existence as part of this year's triennial review queens uh, supported the continuation of new generation the ams food bank and kingston canadian film festival fees so those are three organizations that got to keep their fees Uh, voters also approved the SWAM kingston fee the conference the queen's conference on education fee the queen's baja sai design team fee the Queen's Concrete Canoe Team Fee, and the Loving Spoonful Fee. A few new fees were established, um, although all new fees are individually opt-outable, including the Freedom from Violence Fee, the Get Real Queen's Fee, the Queen's University Scientista Fee, and the Canadian Association in Research in Regenerative Medicine at Queen's. So lots of really cool Queen's organizations that have these fees that really make up the majority of their operating budget and rely on Queen's students paying their fees to uh, operate. The only fee in this referendum that didn't get passed was the establishment of the Queen's Rama fee. As for the ASIS election, all candidates who ran were elected without opposition. The election uh, started out with a bit of a mishap there was an issue with the bios, resulting in no bios being attached to the names of the candidates on the ballot. So it was a blank ballot with just their name. The bios were available on Assis's social media, and considering they all ran unopposed, I don't think it was really um, a high-stakes election, so I'm not sure that was a big deal. Uh, Clara Siviero—sorry if I'm pronouncing any names wrong—Clara Siviero and Catherine Bowers were elected— to the position of class of 2022 year representatives. Noam Epstein-Roth and Kate Gaffney were elected to the position of class of 2020 year represent- representatives. And Philip Jackov was elected as the, to the position of ASIS rep to the AMS. So congratulations to everybody, uh, all these people that ran. Uh, now for the opt-out report. The period to opt-out of certain newly created opt-outable fees ended a month ago. And last week, AMS President Austin Pierce released the final, finalized opt-out numbers under the Student Choice Initiative. So the Student Choice Initiative, uh, announced by the Ford government last January, is a new uh, policy that allows students to opt-out of fees deemed non-essential by the Ministry of Training, Colleges, and Universities of the provincial government. The opt-out period at Queen's lasted until the end of September, with students able to appeal, so the final numbers couldn't be confirmed until a bit later. But according to the AMS, the opt-out numbers were much lower than expected. Last year, most student governments rewrote their budgets to prepare for the budget cuts that would follow the Student Choice Initiative and when they rewrote these budgets, they prepared for the worst. Looking at the amount of students who had opted out before of already opted out fees, they sort of made an estimate of how many students they believed would opt out this year, and that estimation was around 30%, although, although that is not exactly what happened, luckily. The president, Austin Pierce, wrote in a statement to the journal saying, Although many organizations and services on campus and in our community have been negatively impacted, the opt-out rates are lower than what was expected, which serves to demonstrate that our peers care deeply about our community and about the services, opportunities, admissions of the AMS, faculty societies, and other organizations across our campus. So here are the numbers. 15.8% of undergraduate students opted out of the AMS membership fee. So this is a fee that you would have to pay to work at AMS services, vote in elections, and to be a member of a number of clubs. 21% of students opted out of both the AMS food bank fee and the campus safety and risk fee. 25.47% of students opted out of the Queen's Journal fee, which is our campus newspaper. Nearly 24% of students opted out of the Sustainable Action Fund, and 25.29% opted out of the Ontario Undergraduate undergraduate Students Alliance Fee, or OUSA. 24.5% of students opted out of the Tricolor Yearbook, while 20.6% of students opted out of Accessibility Queen's. At a Senate meeting recently, Tom Harris, the interim Uh, provost and vice principal of academics reported that these cuts resulted in the ams food bank losing $1,500 the sexual assault center kingston otherwise known as sac losing $4,500 and queen's legal aid clinic losing $22,000 which is uh, definitely upsetting for anybody that uses these services that are really meant to help and support students in his statement pierce talked about The potential for significant damage to the student experience due to this insecure operational funding and says he hopes that the provincial government will reconsider this mandate student governments and societies have also alleged that the implementation of the student choice initiative was mishandled by queen's administration raising concerns about the division of student affairs lack of collaboration and transparency this is coming from an article um, recently in the journal And um, through a Freedom of Information request, the journal was able to obtain a 20-page briefing document addressed to the Division of Student Affairs prepared by the AMS and CGPS, outlining their concerns about how the university has worked with student leaders to implement the Student Choice Initiative. So this is the um, undergraduate and graduate student governments. This document was received by the Division of Student Affairs last June, when during the summer student governments were, you know, scrambling and working really hard to put plans into place to alleviate the issue. According to the document's preamble, it's meant to move this process forward, provide clarity to problems and concerns that have not been adequately addressed to date, and to rectify the deteriorating relationship between the DSA and student societies. The AMS president told the journal in a statement that since the document was sent to administrators during the summer, a number of the issues outlined have already been resolved. So this, uh, although you know it's coming out now, this document was from months ago. The briefing document laid out concerns of not only the AMS and the CGPS, but also other faculty societies. The society's central concerns were lack of collaboration, transparency, and support offered by the Division of Student Affairs following the announcement of the Student Choice Initiative in January. The concerns raised uh, stated that in an effort to control the flow of information, restrictions were made on the number of people invited to attend meetings and who received critical email updates. According to the document, The people restricted from these meetings were the AMS general manager and the vice president of operations. Their argument was that without all relevant parties there to participate in discussion, it would be difficult to move the process forward and would be inefficient. They suggested that the problems were centered around the fact that the nature of the meetings with the DSA were directive instead of collaborative. The brief talked about how student societies struggled to find anyone at the DSA willing to listen or learn about the organizations involved to effectively determine if their various activities had an essential component. The document also claimed that after our student societies discussed the Student Choice Initiative and their strategies and plans with their counterparts at other Ontario universities, so other student governments across the province, they realized that their working relationship between student governments and administrators were a lot more collaborative than, um, were less collaborative than that at other schools. At Queen, student societies felt major concerns that they were being ignored, disregarded, and often had questions left unanswered and lots of issues with communication, causing lots of complications. Another issue um, came up in May when the Society of Graduate and Professional Students was told by the DSA that the university won't include brief des- descriptions of fees on the opt-out application page. Despite the fact that some fee descriptions were already available, they felt that the, it's the responsibility of the university to provide students with a choice that was both easily accessible and fully informed. The university has responded in an email sent out to student leaders uh, later that month in June um, and obtained through the journal through a Freedom of Information request. The vice provost and dean of student affairs and the associate vice principal responded to the concerns stating they were surprised and disappointed to read their quote characteristics, character, characterization sorry of the events to date continuing that they do not reflect their understanding and perspective of how the process has been going. The AMS d- declined a request for an interview from the journal, but gave a statement about how the society's partnership with the university has changed since they received these complaints. According to them, executive members and the AMS general manager are no longer being removed from email chains or meetings. The vice principal of academics pointed out that the limited timeline universities had to implement the SIC meant that the process couldn't um, 100% be perfect, and that was sort of the argument from their side, but he added that the lessons learned from administrators and student governments will inform updated processes in the future. So now let's talk about events for the week. After Halloween, there's quite a lot of events. I know that it's midterm season, but lots of clubs and organizations around Kingston are up to really cool things. So if you need a study break, here are some ideas of events to go to this week. Scientista and QFlip are partnering up to host Mentorship and Munch, a free networking event that will match lower year art-size students with upper years and give an opportunity for students to connect with students in similar majors and get any questions they have answered. It will be tomorrow, November 5th, from 5.30 to 7.30 in Wallace Hall. ASSIS will be hosting Life After Artsci. This networking summit is an opportunity for current students to engage with successful artsci alumni from all sorts of different industries and sectors. So if you've ever wondered, what can I do with an arts and science degree? or have any questions about your future, these alumni might be able to answer. The event will feature speakers, workshops, and a catered lunch. It is this Saturday, November 9th, from 9.30 to 5.30, 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Tickets are $10 at the ASSIS store, so you can find the info on Facebook or their website. Muse will be celebrating its 10th anniversary. For those that don't know, Muse is a magazine created to foster underground talent and build Queen's creative community. So if you are part of the creative uh, community here at Queen's, they invite you to celebrate. They are having a cocktail night with drinks and hors d'oeuvres at Refinery Kingston, right above Olivia. It will be on Saturday, November 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. The dress code is Cocktail Attire, and the tickets are by donation with a minimum of $7. QFIN and the Commerce Engineering Environmental Conference are teaming up for their second annual clothing swap event. If you have some old clothing lying around or you want some new clothing for your wardrobe, you can drop off your old clothing and swap for some new new finds. The clothing drop-off will be in the ARC on Friday, November 8th from 4 to 9 and Monday, November 11th from 3 to 9. If you can't make the drop-off dates, you can also contact somebody on the QFIN exec or the Commerce and Engineering Environmental Conference exec, and they couldn't pick it up or arrange another way to get it. The clothing swap will then be in the Polson room of the JDUC on Wednesday, November 13th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can come in and look around and get your first five items free, no matter how many items you dropped off. So even if you dropped off less than five and if you want to take more than five items or if you want to take something but you didn't uh, have the chance to donate clothing or you didn't have any clothing to donate, it's only two dollars per clothing item. I know I did this last year and I got some really cool things and it's a great way to sort of empty your closet and um, do a bit of cleaning. This is a really great way to um, shop in a way that is, you know, environmentally sustainable and affordable. So. Be sure to check out the event page on Facebook or the social media of these two clubs for more information. ASSIS's third supper series of the year will be tomorrow, Tuesday, November 5th. You can order delivery with no delivery cost from one of my favorite places in Kingston, Tommy's. A portion of the cost of your food, plus any tips from delivery will go to two local charities, Kids for Kids and Cancer Triad. So this means you get to eat good food, not leave your house, not pay a delivery fee, and give to charity. It will be going on tomorrow from 5 to 9, and if you want more info and to get the number to call to place delivery, check out the ASSIS Facebook event page. UNICEF Queens will be hosting a charity concert at Ale this Wednesday night. It's going to feature some great up-and-coming local musicians like Boat, so- Boat Soup, Kyle Genesis, Mint, and Blue Junction. It should be a great live music show and a fun night at Ale. plus the proceeds from the $10 tickets will go to support a good cause. Now um, I want to get back into news. There's so much to talk about in terms of student government. Uh, It's been a very busy month for Tom Harris, the provost and vice principal of academics. At a recent Senate meeting, he took responsibility for what he called a failed consultation process on the controversial new sexual violence policy. The sexual violence policy is something that I've talked a lot about on the show, and it's being extensively covered by the journal. In Tom Harris's report to the Senate, he addressed the controversy surrounding the new requirements that all non-medical Queen staff and faculty who received disclosure of sexual violence are obligated to report it to the sexual violence prevention and response coordinator along with said student's name email address and student number however following criticism and a lot of backlash from everyone from professors to students and staff the requirement was suspended on october 10th and remains suspended for now reporting information can only be done with the student's consent. In his report, he emphasized the the university's effort to have consultations with students, faculty, and staff during the suspension, and referenced the previous two that were um, recently held in October. Turnout at the first consultation was sparse, but turnout at the second meeting um, was packed. The meeting saw vocal opposition from both students, but also notably several professors. The professors challenged the policy, one stating that they refused to comply, and questioned the the disciplinary action that would be taken against faculty members that don't. People who didn't attend these open consultations or don't want to voice their concerns publicly can give confidential feedback online. Harris said he has also received emails from different faculty members with their views on the policy. All the viewpoints will go toward the revision of the policy, and after November 22nd, when all information is collected, the administration will release a summary of the feedback before continuing with their next steps. But the consultations regarding the policy are a bit different from others. The policy was already passed, and most of our community consultations are coming after. In, um, initial consultations included survivors of sexual violence, and um, they opposed the policy changes. However, Student Senate Caucus Chair David ninnem Dent uh, revealed that they went along with the plan anyway. He argued that the relevant voices were not heard well enough to ensure a policy that addressed the needs of the students, and that policy was not created. David Nenem Dent also challenged the university to do things differently this time and in the future when developing policies surrounding student safety. I would like to thank you guys all for tuning in to this episode of uh, Cam- the Cam- Campus News. You are listening to CFRC 101.9. My name is Samara Legem and I am the Campus Community Coordinator. If you or anyone you know um, would like to contribute a story, has something to say, would like to come talk on the air, please feel free to reach out. My email is uh, campusnews at cfrc.ca. And I will be back next Monday with more campus news and events. Until then, I hope you all hang in there for the final stretch of the semester, and I would like to wish you all... A happy uh, week and good luck on your ex- on your midterms.